This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. At 530 on Main, we're here today with... Lisa Feely, we have Mike Davis and Sarah Schuler in the podcast studio or at 530 on Main where VPS Architecture and Extend Group come together to talk all things experiential, experiential physical space, online space, and how those two are merging together to be one today. Uh, some of the same technologies that we use online are being used in the development of physical space as well as vice versa. So uh, today we're lucky to have Lisa Feely in. This is going to be a long career highlight. I want Lisa to fill in any gaps that I have, but she has over 30 years of experience in multiple industries, including healthcare, life sciences, engineering and business development, corporate communications, human resources, and consulting roles. I just learned that she uh, developed and sold an online uh, marketing company uh, not too long ago, and she just has a ton of industry expertise. And Lisa, we want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us today. We're going to have some fun talking about all these topics. Absolutely. Absolutely. And once again, we're here with Sarah Schuler and Mike Davis from VPS. Thanks for uh, being in here with us. And thank you for partnering once again on the At 530 On Main podcast. Thank you for having us today. Yeah. Today, we're talking about technologies and we're talking about what's impacting the physical space as well as the online space. So, Mike, I know one of your uh, specialties is healthcare. What's happening there today and, and how is technology moving the needle for what you have to stay up with and where is it going in healthcare? <laughs> Big loaded question. Thanks, Sean, for starting me out. Yeah, really I just loaded him up. Yeah, that was awesome. So, a lot of what we're doing is, uh, I'll, I'll keep it simple. BIM, building information modeling, is really uh, transforming the industry that we're in, as well as VR and AR uh, in our industry. But really with BIM, it's really becoming all about getting how you onboard the client, start the projects, all the way to facilities management using uh, your BIM models in facilities and repair work and finding problems, identifying problems in their facilities and and it's now being used, this model we're building in the physical space throughout the life cycle of the building. Lisa, I know you have a lot of experience in this. How's the Internet of Things impacting it? So I'm going to back up a little if I could, Sean, and something Mike said, really what is going in our on in our world in the healthcare, and I'm going to say life science innovative districts, is that our wonderful uh, architects, especially those that are really thinking forward for their owners and working with the owners uh, on much more the front end, are very engaged in BIM and VR, which is the virtual reality. And uh, bringing that into the physical space, what's happened is that is now culminating with all the various technologies. So we've all heard of IoT, the Internet of Things, from you know five, ten years ago. But what's happening now is it's much more experiential and expected, and it's everything, whether it's a 
corporate building, office space within medical, medical office buildings, healthcare, work, live, play, because you've got all those huge innovative districts now occurring. And you look at big facilities like we work with collaborative space and the right kind of people. Well, now it's really the owners and the world are really requiring and begging um, the architects to get very engaged to help uh, build and design and have the vision to bring artificial intelligence, to bring, and we'll talk about it, blockchain, um, technology, security um, into our environment to not only, G allow us to work, but now how are we more efficient in what we do? How is it a great experience? How do we collaborate more? And how are we engaged more? Because retention, employee retention is really important now. And collaborating to come up with the next big innovative idea means that you want an architect that's really on the forefront of understanding how all these technologies interact with the physical space. And I, and I think that's the fun of today's podcast, and I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. When you talk about how it all works and the experience of the end consumer, how is it impacting the day-to-day? Is an architect still the guy or the gal that goes into their space and they concept, they sketch, and they draw, and it's all isolated, and it's just me, and my concepts are here, and then they all go out, and my team, you know, does the final drawings, and, and, and that's it. That's, that's the way architecture still works there, right? Right, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah I'm going to turn this one over to Sarah to take this because uh, she, she's going to have the perfect answer here. I hope so. Uh, I hope that what what this is about is ultimately a conversation about the client, the client's needs, and creating that experience that takes them to the next level. This is not a, a simple experience, but with all of the BIM that's coming out and what we can do and what we can show and what we can bring to the owner, we really have to focus on what their needs are and then take take our knowledge, everything that we know about the building process and take them to the next level. Um, and how, and, and we also have to talk about how is this ultimately impacting their end users, whether it's that patient, whether it's a classroom full of students, you know, the ultimate question is how are we embracing that end user and really making this a complete experience? And we're taking all of these technologies, everyone that we that we are addressing here today and going to touch on, and we're actually saying how do all of these technologies really impact that end user to bring them to the next level, to that next um, experience that they can't even imagine? Yeah, because in healthcare, I'll just interject. In healthcare, it's like a three-legged stool, patient experience, staff efficiencies, and cost. And you're really trying to help improve those three things for any hospital or health system that you'd work with. Right. But, well, and to jump in really quick to Sarah's point, the other is you've got family involved right now, right? So it used to be, to your point, Sean was perfect. Back in the day, the architect, the engineer, the GC, we might all have gone to our corners and, you know, all just drawn our little parts and components and then say our prayers and hope it all fit together at the end and the client's happy. But today, it's just a whole different world, right? And really, you've got to have the right architect. So when you have the right architect, that is, I think, very much like what VPS is talking about, where they're in the forefront, they're talking with the owner, they know the patient, they understand the big picture, and they understand that if that physical space is done very well and incorporated in with using all the technologies, not only are we going to have better 
EDAC ratings, right? You're going to have better patient experience, less noise, less problems. You're going to make the families happier, right? Because they're in the room, in that patient room now, because you've built it more almost as a hospitality suite or whatever. And you can also adapt for their end experiences they go home, right? Because you have telemedicine now on with AI coming and all the stuff that we're going to talk about. So when you have architects that now understand the new world and the future, that makes all the difference. So in the online space, everything was done in a, a flat mock-up and we would use Photoshop to do, you know, multiple website versions. And uh, we use colors that were in brand standards and things like that. And you know, emotional intelligence really didn't play any role in that at the time, you know, color theory and, and, uh, you know, tracking eye movements and all those things. So I'm sure the tools today have changed for architecture and specifically in healthcare. I mean, can you give me some of the tools today and the listeners, some of the tools in which are being used to really get your consumer, your customer involved with what used to be a flat piece of paper? Is that right? Yeah. It, and it used to be, yeah, hand drawing 50 architects doing one project because that's how much time it took to draw a wall section or whatever you need. Now it's, yeah, you have Revit and it's fast and you build the model and then the client can experience the model, whether it's virtual reality with the goggles and headset or augmented reality where you just, you snap a shot on your phone and then you walk around the space and you hold it up and you get to look at it and see it. But it also transforming into parametric design, where instead of just going, oh, here's an option and, and the client says, oh, we need 10 more offices. Oh, we'll come back to you in a week after we re you plug it in these algorithms into the computer parameters. And then you can start right with the client pulling that space apart. And it's that as you make it bigger, it adds this many offices and so many offices, you get one break room or conference room, and you start to sit there and play with it until the client in one sit-down meeting goes, yep, that's what I want, and that's what I need. Excellent. So one of the main focuses for us is the automotive aftermarket. I've heard some things, AR and VR, and even how that's coming together today to train the individuals that are even in the bays servicing your cars. So the new F-150 has 100 million lines of code in it, and the technicians that are servicing them haven't seen those, that type of technology in those vehicles today. So they get to get on a VR headset and be able to interact with OE, Ford Manufacturing Engineers, to work on that sophisticated piece of uh, technology that's sitting in the bay today. So that's one thing that, that we get to look at. So as you talk about AR, augmented reality, you talk about VR, Where's all this information being stored? What are architects doing with the data that's being stored? Well, I was going to say, typically it's, it's in the past, it's stored on a server, it's stored in our office space, but I know now everything's being pushed to the cloud and how are we going to adapt to that? You know, knowing that it's out there, clients, a lot of times do projects in secret. They don't want anybody to know about it till they want people to know about it. And so they're, Sometimes the client might be fearful, oh, it's in the cloud. It's, you know, what is this thing? And so I think there's going to be some education there that we have to do with our clients. But as, as Lisa knows a lot about blockchain, eventually it's going to be out there and it's going to be available. Lisa, blockchain is just for uh, cryptocurrency, right? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, that was five years ago, maybe. No. Yeah. So so blockchain, a, a lot of people have asked me recently, and I'm um, fortunate enough to talk with quite a few people that are more the gurus. But, you know, 
who is the guru of blockchain? And there really isn't, I'm going to go out on a limb, there really isn't any certain level of gurus. It started, as you said, Sean, in um, Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies years ago. But where where we're really taking it now, and I think where it's going is, it's where we have most pain as a, as a country. So as we move to a value-based model in healthcare, and again, patient, surprise, surprise, it's got to be the people we're most concerned with. And we're all, as consumers, patients ourselves as well. Blockchain is now moving very quickly to partner in healthcare systems with healthcare with regards to patient billing records, right? ERM and all that kind of stuff. So what's happening is blockchain is going to come into the what I call the built world because we have the capability of starting to adapt it into what's called smart contracts. And with our GCs, the general contractors, really leading the way from a modular and prefab and and how it's all about efficiencies and costs. Because as you move to the value-based model, we're saying, what are we really paying for? And we also know we're not seeing tremendous amounts of $500 million and billion-dollar hospitals anymore. We're really going much more. Again, you've got telemedicine. You've got AI. You're, you're going smaller. You're going closer to the community. Um, so as we see micro-hospitals, as we see MOBs, your, your medical office buildings, your ambulatory surgery center, standalone EDs, and all of this, again, architects are going to play a key role, engineers, construction, because our owners, the owners are saying, okay, boy, help us understand what this is going to look like. So a good example, when Sarah and Mike are talking about, you know, using VR, using all this, and how, how do you impact the patient, it is going to be big, because all of those is tremendous cost savings to our society. And as we move to a more value-based model, look at Uber. You know, how much parking space do we really need? We're seeing many MOBs now where they don't even have waiting rooms. You don't need waiting rooms because you're going to go straight from Uber and Lyft, you know, with your and the Fitbit information uh, through telemedicine and, and that kind of stuff going. You're going to have all transmitted already to the doctor straight into the office. And when you walk in, you know, so Architects have to be on top of it and leading, saying, okay, wait a minute, let's think about this space because three years from now, five years from now, it's not what you think you want right now. So we're going to start leveraging all these technologies along with BIM Revit and artificial intelligence. And how is that really going to impact doctors, how doctors see their patients, how patients get really, they've already proven, get well faster Right. When they're back in the home, right? So don't don't. We're not going to add a lot of beds. Right. We're going to add more technology and leverage that. So, in the online space, you know, we we've created, you know, in the beginning we had the the flat space, and then we got into oh, we will have A B testing, and then we'll take that, and then we'll implement that into template based solutions that over time begin to analyze through predictive analytics what the end consumer wants. And that's where we're at in the online space today. I mean, ads are served to you based on search algorithms, right? Um, websites change based on the amount of content that you consume and actually serve up more so that you stay on that site a lot longer. How will this technology, you talk about blockchain and that there's a network of computers that are all connected to all those drawings and all those files. What kind of transparency and what kind of efficiencies does that really create for your consumer? So I'll jump in by saying, you know, we don't really even know yet, right? Because blockchain, artificial intelligence, I mean, while it's still 
semi-new. It's coming pretty quick, but it's hitting other parts of the world. So UK, Copenhagen, and other parts are starting to em- embrace it a little bit quicker. We tend to be a little more conservative in our country. However, I think Lean Six Sigma, I've uh, been fortunate to be a master black belt in Six Sigma and Lean. And as I engage with many architects and engineers in construction and Lean Construction Institute's done a great job too, we are just now starting to record and track, I guess, some of those metrics on how we can make an impact. Because right now in our country, we're close to 50% of waste when it comes to, yes, it's very high, 50% waste when it comes to actually construction delivery of healthcare projects in our country. So what's going to happen is as really forward thinking, I guess, and and really innovative architects like VPS's team starts to help their owners and help their partners really understand why you should embrace lean and why you should embrace some of these technologies and leverage those technologies, we're already starting to see, you know, that's when we'll start seeing more and more time savings. But Mike and Sarah can both talk already on how much VR and AR has helped them. And Mike said it earlier, and let you go back to that, Mike, how you're talking about instead of going back to the drawing board a week and a half later and coming back, you can now bring that right in front of your eyes to say, here's what you can save. Well, yeah, it's, it's part of that waste you talked about. I mean, it's time. And it's instead of getting something and take saying, oh, we need six months to design it, we're really having an intensive uh, look at this with the client and we're getting it done in a couple of weeks. We're getting that initial design done because they're getting to see it in real time and they're getting to see these changes in real time, as opposed to, you know, waiting a week, waiting two weeks, scheduling meetings, getting it on everybody's calendar. And it's just kind of all this time that gets wasted uh, on our end that we could be more productive with our clients and get them to the end goal faster. And and Sarah, I know that you've talked before how you bring people much earlier to the table and you've get, you know, you get your GCs in early, you get your medical equipment planners in early. Why? Uh, talk a little bit. I think that ties into a lot of. Oh, your- absolutely. The more input that you get from the different each one of the stakeholders early on, it allows us to get out in front of the process through the BIM modeling, um, just get out in front of the process, know where our conflicts are going to be and resolve them, resolve them before they actually become a problem. And that's ultimately, I think what this entire process does is it starts to say, how can we be more efficient and really address straight on, just head on how we're going to address the big issues that we may encounter. And they're not going to be surprises. The more that we can model them, the more that we can all work from the same model, which is, I think, what blockchain is going to bring to us. We're going to continue to work from the same information and it's live information. So there's no misinterpretation. We're all seeing the same things. And I think that the clear communication of information and getting everybody on board earlier is is absolutely going to play out into our savings, which equates to cost savings. So there's a lot of technology that's obviously involved, but on both sides of the table, we're still solutions providers, right? I mean, we, we have all these tools and I always talk about with my children, like I can give you all the tools and I can give you the best tools. Like, you know, they're softball players and they're baseball players and I can give you the best bats and I can give you, you know, the best glove and I can get you the best training. But at the end of the day, you have to use those tools in your tool shop. So how does the architect of today like what the digital world has done, come in and really, okay, everybody can use WordPress, which is a tool. So how do we get to solutions-based results for our clients? 
using all this technology. I mean, everybody has it, right? Well, I might take a step back. Not everybody has this, right? I mean, organizations like VPS are the ones that are going, you know what, this is the technology we have to use. It's just not a piece of technology that we're using. This is a total solutions package, Uh, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're challenging ourselves to look at the design process Um, with the technology that's out there. Your skill as an architect is also very important because as you build these models, you really have to understand how a building comes together and you have to understand the layers of design and you have to be sure that that end user, that client, their needs are truly being met. And this does not happen on your own and in a silo. This is happening all together. Together with all of these different pieces coming together. The technology is helping us bring many of these pieces together. We have to challenge ourselves every day to learn how to get the most out of every bit of technology that's out there so that we are coming to the table very early with solutions. And these solutions are are there for us to discuss, to evaluate, and to truly, and when I say evaluate, it's on many different levels. It's three-dimensionally, it's with our contractors, it's with you know the financial folks who are trying to figure out how much this is going to cost. I mean, it's on every level. And we are coming at this earlier in the process with a lot more perspective, so that by the time we get to the end of the process, we don't have um, the problems to solve. We've already addressed them. We've already gotten the solutions to the table. So in healthcare, there's a lot of technology in hospitals already. And with the design of future hospitals, and you know, you're talking about the tools again, like Revit and being able to use blockchain. So everybody's, you know, the transparency is now there. In the grocery store example, Now you walk into a grocery store and every end cap has a camera that's on the end of every end cap and it can measure uh, heat mapping, facial expressions, all those things. In the future of architecture, is that data being used to make sure that what we thought that solution was, is it being implemented in to see like, oh, when they do walk into this space, their blood pressure dropped, you know, five points and they're body core temperature went down this and their facial expression changed this much. Is is that coming as well? It is, but I'm going to back up even before and then let Mike and Sarah take it uh, on a little bit of a journey if we can. So, yeah. um, so someone like Transwestern with our analytical capabilities as well. So now architects, boy, I mean, very much like, and again, I did run my own social media marketing firm, very much like the day of, hey, instead of just worrying about here's a pretty page on a website, you right. know, and it was stagnant, it's how are we interacting with you, right? We've got vlogs and um, video and digital pieces and everything that's all being measured and shared so that we maximize search engine optimization. That is very much the reality of the future of architecture. And again, um, having architectural firms that understand that and can leverage that analytical data to start helping their owners say, okay, hey, you just bought 20-acre you know, piece of land, what does that really need to look like? What does that building need to look like? And how do we help you? Again, what is the end game? Deliver the most value at the most effective way we can deliver the best service to your patient. And so architects now, and and again, uh, Mike and Sarah can do a better job talking about this, but leveraging that analytics and that big data, because big data is worthless if you don't do anything with it. And then leveraging that information to say, how do we go about designing what kind of building? And then once you get in the building, how's workflow and lean, six sigma and stuff fit into that? Mike and Sarah? 
Yeah. Well, one of the examples that comes to mind is uh, staff efficiency in hospitals and tracking that, but also um, like how nurses uh, move about the floor and, and where they're spending most of their time. And so when you're sitting down at a designer, you're, you're getting p- facilities that might not work on the floor and they don't understand. And the nurses are trying to explain it. But really what you're looking at is this data of where all they're spending their time and how much inefficiency they're taking to walk down here and get one piece of equipment they need. We'll move it down here closer. But they also had another hospital that they were getting a lot of uh, in hospital uh, infections or after the patient or what the patients didn't come in for. And they found out, well, the nurses simply weren't washing their hands when they walked into the patient room. They were washing them as they left, but not when they came in. They implemented that and reduced that. Those, but again, if we didn't, away. you know, if yeah. again, you didn't have an architect that thought of that data, then they would say, wait a minute, where do we need to put this nurse station? Where do we need to put the sink? Where yeah. do we need? Yeah. And that's all very complex in healthcare. And then backing up, Mike, talk a little bit or, or Sarah, if you can, about um, even determining someone comes to you and says, well, we know we want a two story or a three story, right? Or how many times have we seen towers that you didn't need? So, how, you know, talk about how now it's important that you guys are using those analytics to determine. Absolutely. I think whenever, instead of coming up with, I just want a two-story, three-story building, we, we have to get in there and really talk about the needs and then the efficiency of that layout. And once we talk about... Um, the you know the priorities like what they're truly trying to achieve we can develop a architectural program meaning a program that shows how much square footage is really required for that use and a lot of times when somebody comes to you a lot of times they're coming and they're saying that they just want a little bit bigger version of what they already have and really what we have to analyze is how can we make that space even more efficient how do we you know work out that workflow like mike was just discussing and how do we really find the nuances that are going to result in a more efficient space and perhaps even a very much smaller space. Yeah, because a lot of times, especially in in older infrastructure, when hospitals have a lot of older facilities, this group's moving to a new facility and the old facility wasn't efficient. It wasn't good. You give them whatever you give them, usually they're going to love because it's new. And so you're really trying to make it as efficient as possible because uh, and a lot of times smaller than what they had before because everything was bigger and they still yeah. think they need that much space. And you're like, no, no, look, trust us. We want to have this trust with you that you understand we're going to make it we're going to make it more efficient for you by doing it this way. And then using other technologies such as VR, you can actually model it and show them what it feels like to be in that space and that they will have a a lot of the same amenities just in a better um, in a better flow. And it, it also will result in ultimately the doctors being efficient, but also the patient having a much um, more efficient experience, a much more pleasurable experience as well. So in the architecture and primarily let's let's talk about the healthcare, like when clients come to us today, they say, we don't want just to have this website. We actually want to have it A-B tested with the end consumer. So we want to have this lifestyle imagery that looks like this, that matches brand standard here. And then we have a psych document that's over here. And we believe that if we went this way, we could do that. So we want option A and we want option B. 
And then we're using technology to actually, you know, look at the iris, look at how their body temperatures go up, what their facial features do and all those things. And we can do those things. Is that something that architecture is in the front of with VR and they're able to say, you know what, I'm trusting you because I'm seeing what you're saying being translated, not in weeks, but days coming back to me and I'm able to turn that around quicker. Is, is that one of the efficiencies? Oh, yes. With with VR, that's happening and and you're really getting the voice of the customer. You know, one example is you're going to do a new patient floor and, and once they get demo done, they're going to spend a week doing tours in there with on their phone or with the goggles or whatever, walking through and see, having the nurses see, having the doctor see, having the C-suite level, all see what's going to go in this space before anything gets built. And then they have that time to make changes, you know, after they spend time and it gives them a level of more comfort. They're getting what they want. You know, we see it a lot with doctors because we're the ones supposed to bring their vision to life and, right. and, and show them. And so a lot of times they don't understand it till they see it three-dimensionally, whether that's through virtual reality or built. If you're doing a pediatric unit or something, I mean, again, using VR is allowing, using the technology, uh, Mike and Sarah, you could talk to it, allows you to adjust your, wait, counter space has got to go down a little more. You yeah, because you really got to make this the space respond to that patient need. And and you're going to do everything you can to make that experience more holistic and more healing so that they have as little time in that facility as, as they can possibly have. Yeah, and making the doctors comfortable, you know, an operating room, for example, you know, most times they don't think of a doctor being almost seven foot tall, but there was a surgeon at a hospital that was six almost over six eight and he was hitting his head on the lights right well you figure that out you know to raise the lights and they know to get the booms that can come down and, and you adjust it so that doctor's more comfortable the space fits him so he's going to be better for that patient we've talked a lot about the details and as we start to wrap up here uh, on our time in our space there was a day where everybody had their own unique website and everything was it was 100% custom and everything was great and then we had things like the content management tool that came out and everybody's site started looking the same and and in architecture like I'm a big baseball fan once again there was a time where it looked like every baseball stadium was the same it just had a logo changed now with the use of all this and and if you start to look at websites today those websites, no matter if you go to one or the other, the image changes, the lifestyle shots change, the content changes a little bit, but we're really starting to get to where predictive analytics tells us exactly what we want. Is there a day when every hospital room for an OR looks like this, looks like X? I can't see that. I think with all the technologies, it's going to be customized to what those specific needs are. And while there are some baseline needs that you will see repeated and you will find it because some of those efficiencies have been proven through the analytical data, you're going to still see that there's the human factor. There is that personal touch. And that is in through our built environments, we're always going to desire that. We're always going to be striving for that. And that personal touch is what sets these spaces really apart from the next space. And I think that that element is what, you know, as architects, we're so excited to embrace this technology so that we can bring that to the table and we can be sure that it's personalized in just the right way for that client. Because we are interpreting their vision only 
not only interpreting, we are just absolutely building a vision for them that's going to blow their minds. And that's what we want to do. Personalized and preventative. I mean, the more personalized you have, and that is the expectation and the experiential. So as we go younger, I think the most exciting and challenging at the same time that our healthcare is facing today is we have five generations. Just about. I mean, we've got the 80 and 90-year-olds still in the hospitals all the way down to the newborns, right? So it is quite challenging on how is how are millennials next generation going to consume healthcare? And that's different. And guess what? It's the Sarahs and Mikes of the world better have that figured out um, to help us, you know, the rest of us and the owners uh, try to understand what does that look like. So, you know, we are just finishing, for example, on Transwestern, the MOB of the future. It doesn't look like anything, the MOB I went into, you know, as a kid. And as, again, hospital stays are lessened, less hospital beds, more telemedicine, more, again, as we go into just leveraging all this technology and the ability to have diagnosis, you know, provided on our iPhones. Yes. Um, that's the biggest challenge, I think, that architects and engineering construction have today is they have to be in front of it. And, you know, not as many of them need to be where they need to be. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's what's dynamic about VPS is the willingness to take that risk and say, look, we're going to have to learn this. We've got to stay in front of it. And we have to deliver a personalized, very experiential, very futuristic. You've got to be ready to plan because these buildings are going to last. So how do we build these rooms? How do we adapt that space if they want to get rid of, you know, your weight room? There's literally furniture that these architects are are dealing with that is now taking your, you know, biometrics, right? I mean, furniture is deciding what's your blood pressure, what's this, what, yes. how long you've been waiting. So I think as all that interacts, it is, I'm glad I'm not an architect. <laughs> so when you try to look at it all across the board, and one of our, once again, our emphasis is in the automotive aftermarket space. And one of the big things today that's on everybody's mind is the legislation about who owns the data. And you talk about the hospitals are spending a lot of money to work with the architects, to work with the engineers that are utilizing this blockchain technology that's wrapped on a certain piece of software that has proprietary implementation. You know, it matters, right? So who owns it? In the end, is it the consumer walking into the hospital? Is it the hospital that owns it? Is it the architect that owns it? Is it the engineer that created like this unique piece of ductwork? Who owns all those bits and pieces that go across the blockchain? So I'm giving you the Lisa Feely two cents. We don't know who owns it all yet, but I will tell you that the push from everything I am reading and researching is the consumer owns it. The bottom line is going to be the younger generation for sure and certain wants to own their own data. They do not. There's a level of trust is just not there, which is what makes blockchain so exciting is that it is immediately unchangeable, immutable, you know, it, and transparent. So the fact that so far it's not hackable and the fact that it is, um, you know, contiguous. I mean, it, there's so many good things about it. But right now, the bottom line is the push from all those that are really in the space. Um, and I'm not talking architect, engineer, construction, but I'm talking you know, owners of the data, so your medical data, all your data, your personalized data, the push is let the consumer own it. Let the consumer run with it. They will decide where they put it, how they put it, how they utilize it. And if you've done a good job demonstrating that trust should be there, then they're very willing to share. And you're seeing that. They're very willing to share. All of us are. A lot of data. But boy, you can lose that trust quickly without mentioning firms of, you know, where you've seen some hacks and the problems it's caused. 
All right. Well, we have come to the end of our approximately 45 minutes here. A lot of a lot of forward-thinking conversation, a lot of acronyms, IoT, AR, VR, all those things that are going around, flying around, blockchain, predictive analytics. It sounds like in at least in the architecture world, we're not where we're at in like where law enforcement's at today in the California where we're almost at minority report where you can tell exactly where it's going, you know, flare-ups are going to be and all those things. We could potentially get there, but guess what? It sounds like everybody is in good hands. Once again, going back to the end consumer and you want to be the end all be all solution providers. Is that what I'm taking away here? Yes. And I I think the one thing I would say is just for those of you that are looking for some of those solutions and trying to understand it better, going back to your world, Sean, I think that we have to rely on some website and digital information. So come visit, you know, go go find those architects and find those engineers, find the GCs that are delivering that value. I know for both, I can speak for Transwestern and VPS, both of us have, you know, great white paper information on it, good articles. Um, but you want to have that on that wonderful website you're, you're creating um, because it is, we as consumers want to learn when we want to learn um, right. and it's 24-7, right? And in many different media. Mediums. Um, so the again, the firms that are keeping up with that, I'm trying to do my best. There's some great um, symposiums out there, and and then you go back to the web always, right? That's where isn't that where all the answers are, Sean? It's all <laughs> there in front of you. There's more information right there. I mean, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and it said if you would take a three-year-old with the amount of information they've consumed, either through their cartoons and their internet surfing and their time on Netflix. And what they hear in the car and what they're experiencing today, and you take them back 300 years, they're the smartest person in the room yeah. already. I, I think there's, a, I can't remember, but there's some something like how many ever terabytes per person today that it just, we can't even imagine what we've done. So. Well, and I, I, we talked about that earlier in the day, and I thought of War Games, yeah. the movie, because we were talking about, hey, our phone, probably that big, massive computer they had in one room that was the size of our conference room back then was now... In, it's in our pocket. Well, yeah. and I'll end on that. It is going to gamification. In order to get blockchain and AI and all this to really get there, what do we do? We saw, um, you know, AlphaGo Zero come out with the chess game, right? It beat out all the chess geniuses. We're seeing that through blockchain. It's going to gamification. So there's actually, you know, whatever it is, something kitty, blockchain kitty. I can't even keep yeah. up. But um, this is this is how we're going to all learn. LinkedIn, you know, over 70, it was at one point, you know, we couldn't get past that profile. You'd have a picture and you'd have a name and you might have an email address. But when they started telling you how advanced your profile was against your uh, partner over there in in the competitor space, uh, when you say your profile is 72% complete, 80% complete, immediately their profile build outs went up 80% when they introduced the little progress bar. And that's one of the first pieces of gamification out there. So we love competition in America. We do love competition. So uh, last, last question, you know, Lisa, where can the listeners out there, where can they find more information about you? Um, really the best way for me, and I have not, uh, I, I'm, I don't really go with the Twitter handle or any of that, but I would say, it, you know, definitely find me on LinkedIn. I'm going to, I live there um, and feel free to, to join in at TransWestern. I can always, all my information's found there with white papers, et cetera. Okay. And that is TransWestern.com, is that right? That is correct. Uh, Mike, Sarah, where can uh, individuals check out with you, link up with you? Where, where do you prefer that conversation to start? There's always our website, vpsarch.com, but LinkedIn, 
for me is always one that is great to find me on there. Very easy. Yes, absolutely. Check us out on LinkedIn and check us out at our website. Excellent. And if you have any questions for me, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook and our website, theextendgroup.com. We appreciate you hanging out with us for now approximately one hour. We appreciate your time and look forward to uh, connecting with you on the next episode. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.